morning and uh, just asking God to help us, not just when we need Him, but all the time, you know, maybe we've got something that we're grateful for or whatever. That's, I was thinking of that song. I was thinking of that song. And then you got up and led that song. It's amazing how that works. Amen. Needing God every hour. Um, boy, do we need to be reminded of that. And that, of course, is a prayer. I need thee every hour. Just telling God, hey. <laughs> I mean, not just, this, you know, I'm in this horrible fix. I need your help. But I don't get to take a breath. I don't wake up in the morning except by the grace of God, right? I mean, we depend on him for everything, really. Um, I need the every hour. Tra- open your Bible, uh, if you would. I, I do think we have, we're going to be able to throw this up on the screen tonight, so that'll be helpful. But open your Bible to Mark chapter 4. This may be the most hmm, unusual prayer. I mean, I don't think you would read this story and think there's even a prayer there. But I think there is. So Mark chapter 4, maybe the most unusual prayer story we're going to look at in this series, verses 35 to 41. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although some other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the water, Silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples, (laughs) I like this part, the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, we're going to dig in the story. In fact, tonight, as I'm just looking at things that I can apply this week to my own life from this story, my own prayer life and just my life in general with the Lord, I just started coming up with a lot of stuff out of this story. So I apologize in advance um, for all the different things. We're going to scatter shoot a little bit, but maybe one of these is, is going to hit your point of need tonight. So I'll just share. And so before I get to the six real lessons I have from this story... I have three kind of observations about the story. Um, First of all, when it comes to prayer, this story, I guess you could say, is kind of a Where's Waldo kind of text. I mean, I I missed that, Gordon. Where's the prayer in that story? I'm not seeing it, right? So this is Mark's account of the story. Um, In Matthew's account, it's a little easier to say. They just say, Lord, save us. Um, in Mark's account, it's a little harder to find. Um, they wake Jesus up. They literally wake the Lord up from a nap by shouting at him, don't you care that we're going to drown? That's Mark's version of the story. That's, that's the account. Don't you care, shouting at him who's asleep, don't you care that we're going to drown? <clears throat> 
Now, just because Jesus is there, just because God incarnate um, is there in the boat, it doesn't stop this from being a prayer. Anytime we talk to the Lord, it's a prayer. And this is, in fact, a very desperate, I think, petition, a cry, a shout even, um, for the Son of God to, A, notice their situation. I mean, just, Jesus, are you aware of what's going on? Look at what's happening right here to us. And B, obviously, to intervene. They don't want Jesus just to notice. They want Jesus to do something about it. And I'm not particularly sure what they want him to do because, as is clear from the rest of the story, they had no idea that he was going to do what he did, right? I mean, they're terrified of Jesus at the end of the story. So this wasn't exactly maybe the answer to the prayer that they thought they were going to get. I don't know what that answer would have been. Um, And it's an unusual prayer story because, at first glance, we probably wouldn't say they're praying at all, but they are. Um, They're petitioning the Lord. Um, They're petitioning in faith. Um, They know Jesus can do something. They're not exactly sure what he'll do, but they've seen him heal. Um, They've seen him perform miracles in a lot of different situations with a lot of different people, so they know he can do something. So this is an odd story about prayer. It's an odd story about petitioning the Lord. Second observation would be this. I don't know if this struck you, but there's a lot of shouting going on in the story. I don't, I don't like shouting very much. Lots of people are shouting. The disciples are shouting. Um, Mother Nature is shouting. Jesus is shouting. There's a lot of shouting going on. And I just, as I'm reading the story, I'm thinking, Matt, <clears throat> imagine being awakened from a nap. If you're a parent, you probably can, Right? But imagine being awakened from a beautiful, restful nap that you really need by your friends or maybe your toddlers shouting at you. Um, And then Jesus doesn't even answer them. Lord, don't you care? They're shouting. He doesn't dignify that question with the response. He just gets up and he shouts at the wind and the water rebukes them so I don't generally like shouting I definitely don't like being shouted at um, but I do like this story I do like this story third observation is um, this is a story about prayer that I think we really need to pay attention to because it makes it very clear crystal clear that the power in our prayers what makes a prayer a powerful prayer is not necessarily the words that we choose not our turn of a spiritual phrase Um, it's not even a certain posture like uh, like you have to be on your knees or you have to fall prostrate on your face before the Lord Um, what makes a prayer a powerful prayer is in fact the one that we are praying to and I think that's very clear in the story because they're not choosing their words they're not there's I mean, they're shouting this question at Jesus. Um, So the power is in the one receiving the prayer. It's in our Lord. So he is great beyond our imagination. And the story reminds us of this truth that we can very easily forget that in terms of that word again, in terms of 
power, Jesus is, hear me out on this, Jesus is bigger and, and Jesus is scarier than anything that we are afraid of, anything that we come up against. Now, yes, he loves us, okay? Died for you on the cross, he loves us. But there is this idea in Scripture, the fear of the Lord, right? From beginning to end, Jesus is kind of scary in this story. The ones who know him best, the ones who are his circle of friends, they are terrified of Jesus because of this story. One word from him and this hurricane-like storm instantaneously is replaced with what Mark calls a great calm. So, Jesus, surrounded kind of back to the story and the background that led to the story, Jesus, um, surrounded by his inner circle, has been... um, Before this crossing of the sea, he has been doing his work, his ministry work, uh, teaching, preaching, healing, um, loving on people. Night and day, he is just constantly pressed by these crowds that come to see him. They come wanting to be healed. They come dragging a loved one who they want to be healed. Uh, Some come dragging a loved one who is screeching and convulsing under the influence of demonic powers. I mean, it's kind of easy to forget. That's the kind of the chaos of of this ministry cloud that surrounds Jesus. And so he has been doing ministry nonstop. His disciples have been doing some ministry and a lot of crowd control nonstop for several days. Um, with all of these needy people just pressing, pressing in on them. But Jesus, um, man, he loves them. He loves every lost. He loves every hurting person. And so he has, he has been there among these people for days. And physically, emotionally, he is, he is just draining, you know, just, just tired, fatigued here. Um, but his power, his divine power has been, been just flowing seamlessly out into all of these um, sicknesses, spiritual and physical, that have been pressing up against him for days. So there he has been um, teaching, healing, casting out demons, performing miracles. And the disciples have been doing all of this work of kind of organizing things as best they can with these crowds um, while Jesus has been about his work. And now we get to the story of the crossing of the sea because it is time to press the pause button. Jesus knows this. I think the disciples know this. They've got to have a break. It can't continue like this. Um, And so if they can get in the boat, remember his disciples, the majority are fishermen, so finding a boat was not a problem. They had boats. Um, If they can get in a boat and get to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, um, they'll have you know, sometime at least. There are some following, right? But, but the crowds won't, won't build up again at least for maybe a, a day or two or three. And he will be able to not only relax and kind of unplug, but also kind of begin pouring in with some more intentional time <clears throat> and teaching with the 12. So that's the setting for this Sea of Galilee crossing in Mark chapter 4. So there they are. They get in the boat. They, they push off. They're heading toward the other side of the sea. Um, they're sailing 
into the horizon across this massive lake. Um, I've been there, gone across. It's a huge, huge lake, a sea. Um, the crowds are getting smaller and smaller in the background as they move off toward the other side of the lake. And there on the boat, Jesus finds a pillow. He finds a cushion, makes himself com- comfortable there in the back in the stern. And uh, he's gently rocked to sleep by the, by the calm waves and by the warm breeze. The disciples, I don't know what they're doing. They're, you know, I'm sure they're uh, t- taking care of the sails and they're um, talking with each other about everything that they've seen and experienced over the last few days. Um, they're working the rudder um, and night falls in the sky clear sky begins to fill up with these magnificent dots of light from the stars and it really hit quickly the storm it really hit quickly it, it was a sudden squall according to Mark and it hit and we know how that happens in Texas I mean we, we've experienced that before around here um, one second everything is calm the next second you know the tornado siren is going off get to shelter immediately that was kind of the situation when this furious squall overtook them. Sudden, violent, windy thunderstorm that is churning up the waters of the lake and that is pouring water from the sky and pouring water into the boat from the waves themselves. And not only is there a danger that, that the, the boat will fill up quicker than they can bail the water, but there's also the danger that the boat itself might break apart. And so we can almost, I think if we use our imaginations, we can almost see the men working feverishly in the dim light there. Um, some are working to trim the sail. I mean, you've got to get that sail down because of the storm. Others are rowing as fast as they can toward where they imagine the other side of the lake might be. And several certainly are bailing water frantically. And while this is happening in this kind of hurricane there is a calm eye in the middle and it's Jesus he's asleep and I mean he was really I mean we know he was really out because he didn't wake up with the storm going on around him I mean he was enjoying that deep slumber of someone who has been working 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 nonstop, and has finally gotten an opportunity to kind of check out and catch some Z's um also enjoying the calm, I think, slumber of someone who knows that his heavenly father has got things. It's, it's, it's okay. God is with them. But then we have the yelling. Then we have the shouting. You see, Jesus was the only one in the boat who was calm and resting in the knowledge that God was in charge, that everything was going to be okay, They finally realize, wait, as they're working, working, working and trying to save themselves, they finally realize, hey, Jesus, the Lord, he's back there, he's still asleep. And so that's when they shouted him, Lord, don't you care that we're going to drown? And so now he's awake and it's his turn to shout, not at the disciples, but at the storm, at the wind and the waves. Quiet, be still, he rebukes. And that's the moment, isn't it, where the whole story turns. I mean, 
the focus of the story, the, the main character, if you will, of the story has been the storm. It's, been the, it's what has your attention, okay? The storm. And this is the point where that turns. Um, and boy, does it turn in a hurry. That very moment after Jesus shouts at the storm, everything grows calm according to Mark 4, 39. It is a great calm. A great calm. The sail is limp. No wind at all. The waters are as flat and motionless as a sea of glass. And now the Lord has, finally, some words for his friends. Some words for his disciples. Why are you so afraid? Don't you have any faith? We talked about faith this morning, that that beautiful marriage between belief, you know, belief and trust in the Lord, and then a lifestyle that flows out of that. Faith, no big surprise here, it's a pretty big deal to God. I mean, that's what He wants from us. We know that. Um, we need to believe that He is real. We need to believe and trust that He loves us. Um, and that he is actually at work in our world, I mean in our world, in our home, in our workplace, in our world, and beyond. As Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Without faith it is impossible to please God. So in this story, this is an interesting turn, isn't it? Because in this story, I think we could say the disciples have the deeds part down to some extent. I mean, they're working hard. I mean, you can just see them feverishly trying anything and everything to keep that boat afloat. Um, In this story, they're missing out on that other side of faith, the belief side of faith. Um, Now, what this story uh, has to tell us about praying and praying with faith and living with faith is, is pretty important. And there are several things. And again, I'm not sure which of these is going to speak to you and your situation um, most profoundly tonight. So we'll just we'll put them out there and hopefully the Holy Spirit will, will work. The first thing uh, is this that I noticed from the story. Even with Jesus in the boat, storms are inevitable. Huh. <laughs> I mean, even with Jesus in the boat, even with God right there, storms are inevitable. Jesus was cl- couldn't have been closer. I mean, five feet away, ten feet away. I mean, there he is right there with them in the exact same boat they were in. If that boat goes down, he's there with them, right? Um, and did the fact, rhetorical question here, um, did the fact that Jesus was with them in the boat mean that they were not going to go through a storm. No! Right? Did the presence of God in flesh mean they weren't going to go through trials? Of course it didn't. I mean, we have it there. They did. Right? Um, Did His presence ensure that they would not have to go through a scary situation? No! 
They went through a scary situation, and he was right there, right? And I, and I wish, man, I mean, really, I just, I get tired of hearing that someone else has cancer. I, I grow weary of, of the news that a faithful person, a faithful brother or sister is passing through a trial like that. Or they've lost their job. Heard a good friend of mine here at Preston Crest lost his job a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I, I grow weary of re- stories of rebellious children, of, of a family crisis. I grow weary that believers pass through these kinds of trials. I do, and yet this story, it reminds us, right, of the fact that Jesus being with us does not mean that we won't go through storms does not mean that we're not ever going to have to hear a bad diagnosis, right? It doesn't mean that. Now, several of these, the first three, I think, are pretty closely related, but they're subtle differences. And again, I wasn't sure which um, maybe you needed to hear tonight, so we'll just launch right in. Because closely related to this, but I think worth pulling out, worth highlighting... Um, is this other concern that we have when we go through a trial, when we go through a crisis, when we get that diagnosis, or we lose our job, or we lose a loved one. Um, It's this question, you know, does the fact that I'm going through this time of crisis, this season of pain, this suffering, um, whatever, should I necessarily interpret that to mean that the Lord has abandoned me. Now, I think we would say, no, of course not. But we do feel that way sometimes, don't we? We do feel that way. Like, God, really? Why are you letting this happen to me? Like they said, don't you care that we're about to drown? Does my circumstance of chaos and crisis, does that mean that God has pulled back? He's not with me anymore. Does it mean he doesn't care about... Of course it doesn't. Um, But our feelings sometimes lead us to that place, I think. And thankfully, this story reminds us of the reality. Number two there, the reality is just because I'm going through a storm doesn't mean the Lord doesn't care about me. In fact, in this story... Uh, we see Jesus goes with me through the storm. Not like, wow, your life is about to get really messy, so I'm going to kind of check out for a while, and I'll see you on the other side. No. The story reminds us that he goes with us. The Son of God, the one who co-created the universe, right, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, Um, Not only does he care about his fearful disciples, but he cares enough to go through the storm with them. And that means a lot to me. I don't know about you. Because I could imagine, I mean, using our kind of human way of thinking, I could imagine the Lord uh, just kind of saying, hey, sorry about that, um, that tough circumstance you're facing I'll I'll meet you around on the other side I but he's not he's saying I know it's tough 
but I'm going to be going with you every step of the way. So, there he is, right? Uh, he's in the boat. He's in the storm, going through that same dangerous squall that his disciples are going through. It reminded me of one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible from Isaiah 43. It's God speaking, okay? God is speaking through his prophet Isaiah, verses 1 to 3. And God says this. He says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You're mine. Okay? So, so essentially, don't be afraid. You're with me. When you pass through, this is why I thought of this, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Why? Well, For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Remember me? Okay, I added that last part. But I think that's a very comforting word from the Lord, I do. You know, he doesn't say, right, God doesn't say, if you love me, you will never pass through the waters. I won't let that happen. It's not what it says. Isaiah 40 3 doesn't say, if you put your faith in me, bad things aren't going to happen to you. You're not going to have to go through stormy seas. And he doesn't say, I've called you by name, you are mine, so no tribulation for you. It's all smooth sailing from here on out. What he says is, when you pass through the waters... When you pass through the flood stage river, when you are walking through the crucible of fiery suffering, when that happens, I will be with you. I'm not cheering you on from the other side. I'm not pushing you. I'm walking through it with you. So don't think I've abandoned you. Don't think I don't care. I'll be right there with you. Um, Maybe I would prefer that Since I belong to you, Lord, I don't have to go through any of that, but that's not how it works. We know that. But he will be with us to strengthen us, to carry us through. So, okay, again, number three, and this one is closely related to these first two points, but I think there's a nuance of difference here, so I'm going to kind of single this one out. Number three, sometimes I will have to go through storms because I'm following Jesus. Right? And we know that. Sometimes it's because I'm a believer that I'm going to pass through a difficult circumstance. In this story, um, I suppose, I don't know this for sure, but I suppose they would have been just fine if they had said, Jesus, you, you go on across without us. We're going to go back home, or we're going to go over here to this inn, or we're going to hang out here for a few more days. Um, I suppose if they had elected not to go with him, on this Galilean teaching tour, um, they would have been fine. They wouldn't have had to go through the storm. Um, But there are these certain kinds of trials, aren't there, 
that we face, um, or persecution, I shudder to use that word in our context because there are Christians who really are persecuted, right, in certain parts of the world that are actually on trial, life or death stakes because of their faith in Jesus. But maybe with a small p persecution, we face some of that, some criticism or some ridicule because of our faith in Christ. Um, But sometimes we face that specifically because we are Christ followers, because we are walking with the Lord. Um, And the the apostles, these 12 disciples, their lives certainly bear that out going forward. It was no cakewalk for them. Um, Again, no promise is ever given from Jesus to his followers. Now that you belong to me, your troubles are over. I haven't found that verse anywhere. I have found Jesus in a place like John 16, verse 33, saying, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He's telling his disciples, that means he's telling us, in this world you will have trouble. You will. Um, And sometimes we know it's because we belong to him. Sometimes it's because of our conviction that he is the Lord, the Savior. Now here's something else that we really need to hold on to from this story. Number four, we can know Jesus better because of the storms. We know him more deeply. Um, We appreciate who he is more, I think, because of the storms. Um, Wouldn't you say that's true in this story? Wouldn't you say that these disciples um, got to know Jesus better because of this experience on the lake? Um, Didn't they have a greater appreciation for his power, um, for his sovereignty, um, for his lordship because of this? This adventure that they had on the high seas? Um, They went, and this is the remarkable thing about the story that for a long time I didn't notice that they went, in just a couple of verses there, they went from being afraid of the storm to being exponentially more afraid of Jesus. I mean, who is this? They're muttering to each other, and they are, according to Mark, terrified. Who is this person who's in this boat with us that even the wind and the waves obey him? I mean, healings, uh, leprosy being healed, paralytic people walking. I mean, that was amazing stuff. This is a different level. Nature obeys Jesus like that. Falls in line when he rebukes them like they're an unruly second grade class, you know. They just get quiet. The wind and the waves... He speaks and the storm just just powers down instantly. And there is a great calm. And they are totally scared to death. They got to know Jesus a little bit better, didn't they? Out there on that lake. They thought they knew Jesus up to this point. And they did. But they didn't know Jesus 
like they did after this adventure on the Sea of Galilee. And even though, yes, even though at the end of this narrative, they're still asking, who is this? Even though they still have their questions, they definitely went to a whole new level of appreciation for who he was because of the situation, because of the storm that they had gone through together. And I think so can we. We can know Jesus more deeply and appreciate his grace and power more deeply because we go through storms with him. Number five. This one's probably not going to be a stunning thing uh, or some shocking revelation, but number five, Jesus is big enough to handle our storms, okay? We just need to be reminded of that. That's, I think, one of the reasons we come together, isn't it? Um, to just be reminded he's big enough, he can handle it. Um, and I'm not sure exactly what they expected Jesus to do. Like I said, they're expecting him to do something because he always does. Um, but I don't know exactly what it was they expected him to do when they woke him up with their shouting. Uh, but I'm confident they did not expect that. <laughs> A word, storm is gone. And so after he calmed the storm, none of them were like, yeah, yeah, I saw that coming, right? Oh, yeah, no, no big surprise there. Let's keep on sailing across the lake. Um, no. Jesus was big enough to do things that they never imagined possible and it was cool really cool kind of scary too and the one we pray to it's just a reminder the one we pray to is big enough to make amazing things happen and he's able to handle anything that we will ever face in our lives here and finally number six this is where we're going to finish out tonight just that Reminder: as we go through this powerful prayer series, number six, we need to ask for help. We need to pray. We need to ask for God to intervene in whatever it is that we're facing. And I'm calling this, <clears throat> I'm calling this tonight, Lord, Save Us. It's kind of the title of the lesson. That actually doesn't come from Mark. That comes from Matthew's account. Matthew is the one who, who was there, right, on the boat, and he remembered those words, we there was probably a lot of shouting going on. I mean, Mark records some of it, and Matthew records someone is, is over there. Maybe it's Matthew himself shouting, Lord, save us! Um, and sometimes, I think, I know this is true for me, sometimes we can get so busy in the doing, in the deeds, in the work, sometimes we can get so busy bailing or trying to bail ourselves out of whatever mess we're in, or so preoccupied with, with the fixing of the problem that we're in, um, so frantic in trimming the sail and whatnot, that we can forget the most important thing of all, and that's just to pray. And prayer, I'll just confess, for me, and maybe, maybe you've experienced this, prayer can kind of become that last resort. Well, I've tried everything else. I better pray. Um, it can become that last resort instead of that first response. Now, obviously we're not saying that if you pray, you're not going to work. That those two things are somehow mutually exclusive. Obviously we're not saying that. We're not saying that we cease all activity necessarily 
in prayer. We're certainly not saying that it's some kind of purely passive mode, that that's what faith is. We saw this morning, that's not what faith is, just being passive, not just something happening up here um, or in here. But it certainly does mean that we recognize the lordship uh, of Jesus in our situation, and we recognize his power to change things if in his wisdom that's what he chooses to do. And I think this is Max Lucado. I can't remember for sure. I didn't have time to look this up. But just as I'm walking over here, I'm thinking it was Max Lucado who said, sometimes in the storm, the Lord quiets the storm. Sometimes in the storm, he quiets the sailor who's in the storm. Sometimes he calms the water. Sometimes he calms us. But when we, when we pray, he does act. He does involve himself in our situation because he's right there with us, right? So let's make prayer, or let's strive to make prayer our first response, um, a priority, something we value, something we believe actually accomplishes great things because it does, um, and not like an afterthought after we've tried everything else. And so we're going to conclude now, and what... Let's just, let's stand and let's, let's lift our voices up in praise um, to the one who has called us by name and who walks with us through whatever storms that we face. Let's stand now and join our voices together.